Hello and welcome to the Insurance 2025 podcast with me, Scott McGee from Insurance Times. I'm happy to be joined by Ed Leon Klinger, the CEO of Flock. Um, Ed, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So we'll start with the panel that you're taking part in at Insurance 2025 on the 3rd of July, the Blockbuster panel. Um, my first question to you is, do you think insurtechs and startups are having the impact that maybe they were hoping for? Um, at this point that they had maybe a few years ago? Mm-hmm. So I think um, we're just at the beginning of the rise of InsurTech. I think it's, it's a very nascent industry still. We're seeing in the InsurTech space what we saw in the FinTech space maybe kind of six, seven, eight years ago. So whilst InsurTech's become a massive hype word within the insurance industry, it's still very much a nascent space. So what we're starting to see is um, a few slightly later stage scale-ups, I would describe them as, kind of Series B, Series C companies, mm-hmm. making a name for themselves and having a significant impact in the space. But the vast, vast majority of insurtechs, certainly that I uh, interact with here in London, are still relatively early stage. So we're talking pre-seed, seed, Series A, um, startups, not quite scale-ups just yet. They're finding product market fit and they're starting to um, gain a bit of a foothold in the market. I think the next few years are going to be really exciting in this context. So so my stance would be that um, insurtechs are just on the cusp of starting to make a, a serious impact in the insurance space more broadly and that insurers are waking up to this and are starting to realise that they either innovate or die, um, in the, especially with, with respect to technology. So we're going to start seeing um, a ramp up in the amount of investment going into technology made by insurance companies who are either building their own teams or their own labs or they're investing in insurtechs themselves through actual equity investment. Um, and we're all go- also going to see a massive ramp up in partnerships as well. Um, insurers are starting to build more agile, lean functions internally that actually allow them to work more effectively with insurtechs, work at the kind of pace that insurtechs like to move at and have to move at uh, because insurtechs are of course um, bounded by their need to constantly raise money and demonstrate that they can actually operate on venture capital timelines um, which are optimistic and, and highly ambitious and insurers are waking up to this and they're starting to move much faster to accommodate for that. So the, the insurtech space is nascent and it's, it's starting to really heat up. So do you think it's needed for insurers to invest in startups to, to kind of keep up with the uh, constant demand for you know, evolution. Uh, some insurers may, may be um, considered quite old fashioned and so to kind of keep up with the drive to technology, drive to digitization, um, they need to be partnering with startups like, such as yourselves, you know, you've got a partnership with Allianz, um, is that something that insurers need to be looking at more, more to, to, to survive? Yes, I think my, my answer to that is just an absolute yes. I think it's a no-brainer. The the insurance space is rapidly digitising, um, but more more importantly, maybe than just pure digitisation of the industry, is that the world around insurance is changing at a dramatically increased pace than it ever has before. So when I say the world around insurance, what I mean are real industries that actually require insurance. I'm talking yeah. about automotive. I'm talking about shipping. I'm talking about drones and aviation, right, where we're where we're active. The, the world is changing at such a rapid pace and these industries are evolving um, in very obvious and visible ways such as the, um, the rapid rise of autonomous for example in the automotive space and in many other spaces and insurance companies have to understand that the world tomorrow doesn't look anything like the world 
today and certainly not like the world yesterday. And as a result, traditional insurance models will cease to make sense. It's very difficult to price and understand risk in a world where that risk today looks absolutely nothing like it looked yesterday. So what we're seeing is we're seeing that the, the world is changing, um, especially emerging technologies are, are progressing so unbelievably rapidly that there's a massive gap opening up between what the world actually looks like with respect to risk and what insurers understand with respect to risk. There is a huge gap between those two things. Yeah. What I think we're seeing with InsureTech is that a number of InsureTechs have actually arisen to fill that gap. They're using new technologies, new modelling, um, and completely new business models and approaches to actually better understand what the real world looks like with respect to risk. Mm. And that gives them a massive one-up compared to the traditional insurers who are using purely historical data uh, and tried and tested methods, which may have worked yesterday, but, but won't work going forwards. And insurtechs are filling that gap. And, and that's actually what we're all about at Flock, is, is using new techniques and technologies, such as real-time data analytics, to actually understand what risk looks like in real time in an industry where there's not enough historical data for traditional insurers to understand and price risk. Uh, and so what we're seeing is any insurer who doesn't embrace technology won't only miss out on the wave of digitization, which is obvious, mm. but they'll also miss out on these new tools and tricks and technologies, which will allow them to unlock products to accommodate for what the future looks like. So, okay, let me ask you this. Who do you think is more reliant on the other? Do you think incumbents are more reliant on insurtechs for the ideas that they may bring and, uh, and how they're using their technology? Or do you think it's insurtechs are more reliant on insurers for that capital to be able to do that and implement that? Good question. Um, I think my answer is going to be a relatively boring <laughs> politician's answer, which is that right now, in 2019, I think both are equally reliant on each other. Um, however, I can foresee that balance of, of power actually shifting. So right now, of, of all the insurtechs I know, I probably interact with between 25 to 30 insurtechs relatively regularly. Mm -hmm. um, they have a high degree of dependency on the insurers that they work with, mainly because they, they actually require risk cap, right? So they require capital from these insurers to be able to provide insurance products direct to customers. Okay. Similarly, the insurers that they work with are reliant on these insure techs for opening up these new markets or serving these customers in a new user-friendly digital way. Um, without these insure techs, they would not be able to achieve this themselves. So there is this kind of interdependence. Mm -hmm. However, I can, I can actually foresee in the next five years um, that, that balance of power shifting, like I said, to allow the insurtechs to have the one up. And the reason I say this is because the insurtechs are building capabilities, technological capabilities, which far outstrip what the insurers are able to provide. Mm -hmm. And risk capital is actually becoming somewhat commoditized, not completely commoditized, but somewhat commoditized. And there's evidence for this. We, we are seeing insurtechs work with multiple risk capital providers and sub in and sub out risk cap almost on a monthly basis, depending on what they think they can do the best work with if they have that capital in their hands. Mm. Um, and, and so what I think might happen in the future going forwards is that risk capital will be increasingly commoditized. And there's another trend that we're right at the beginning of, which is the raising of balance sheets by insurtechs themselves. So insurtechs are actually starting to raise their own balance sheets so that they're no longer dependent on uh, incumbents. And it's very nascent. I know of 
you know, a, a small handful, some of which have not even been announced, mm. but that will start to become a trend in the next five years. And at that point, the insurers are really going to wake up to what's going on in the insurtech space and they're going to say, hold on a minute, we had a USP here and these insurtechs are coming along and they're actually encroaching on our space yeah. far more so than we expected them to. How are we going to leverage what we're best at to maintain relevance in this industry? Um, you said there are examples of uh, insurtechs doing that, but you said that they're not public. So, are there any examples that you know of that you can say, or...? Well, there's, there are some obvious examples, like Lemonade uh, yeah. and Metromile. Um, they, they've done this, and they've done it well. Uh, well, <laughs> depending on your take on it, they're, they're both controversial examples, mm-hmm. but they have, they have their own balance sheets and risk cap at their disposal. Um, I know a few others who are working on it and who are close to making announcements, uh, but I know about that because I'm, I'm happy to be friendly with, <laughs> with the founders, and so I'm, I'm not going to talk about it here. No, no. But um, you'll, you'll hear about it soon enough. I'm, I'm sure you can get them on your show. So, I mean, you spoke, you said about Lemonade. Um, you know, they're they're backed by Munich Re. Uh, yourself are backed by Allianz. Um, is there a is there a horizon where? Intertext don't need that. Is, is that kind of what you're alluding to? That is exactly what I'm alluding to. Okay. Well, um, I guess we'll move on to your presentation because uh, you're uh, presenting at the Tech Stream uh, at Intertext 2025. What can uh, go, um, event goers expect to see from your from your presentation? What are you going to talk about? Um, and kind of have you got any surprises? Um, so. We have been working on a new product at Vlock that is a world's first. Um, there's actually nothing remotely similar to it out there, certainly not in the industry that we're operating in, and that is our connected fleet insurance product for the drone industry. So a bit of background, we provide pay-as-you-fly drone insurance, and, and the way that we do that is that we Rather than offering a, new, uh, a customer, a drone business, an annual insurance policy that covers them for the whole year for all of their flights, we offer them a micro duration, so from one hour, insurance policy that covers them for a specific flight at a specific time in a specific place. And the way that we actually price those insurance policies is by ingesting real-time data, such as weather conditions, location data, your proximity to high-risk or low-risk areas like schools or prisons or public parks, and we assess the risk of that flight on the spot so that we can provide you with an associated price. So a low-risk flight might cost a few pounds, and a high-risk flight might cost a few hundreds of pounds. Depending on the risk profile of the flight, you will pay less or more. So we've been providing thousands of these insurance policies through our mobile app, Flock Cover. What we've realized is that there's a massive demand for the same kind of product, this flexible pay-as-you-go product, from much, much larger organizations. And so we've been actually working with a few of these much larger drone organizations who require bespoke real-time insurance policies that flex with their usage. And we've now landed a few of these larger companies as customers of our product, Flock Enterprise. Um, and this is the connected fleet product that I, that I mentioned. The way that it works is we actually sync our analytics platform with the data that is collected from these drones in real time. And we can retrospectively price every single flight that was undertaken during a given month. We then charge the end customer 
for the flights that they undertook within that month. So if you don't fly at all, you'll pay close to nothing. And if you fly 100 times, you'll pay significantly more. Mm-hmm. And the more risk you take with each of those flights, the more you pay for those flights and vice versa. What this means is a few things. First, it, it aligns um, the costs that these large fleet enterprise companies are paying for their insurance with the actual number of flights and therefore the revenue that they generate. Um, so it's, it's much better from a cash flow perspective. But more importantly than that, it allows us to actually provide risk analysis back to the end customer on every single flight that they undertake mm-hmm. throughout the month. We provide that to them through simple dashboards that allow them to understand the risks that they've undertaken. And that allows them to optimise or mitigate those risks so that they're actually undertaking less risky flights and therefore paying less for their insurance. So their premiums go down and so do their claims. And that's fantastic for the end customer because they're making less claims and therefore they have less business disruption. And it's fantastic for us and for our insurance partners because we're actually improving the loss ratio Mm. on the book of business. So... There's nothing like this out there, certainly not in the drone industry. Um, and we've launched this with our first few customers. We've, we've actually written a white paper um, on the technology behind this platform and how it works and how we think that we're effectively setting a completely new standard, uh, a gold standard for risk management more generally. Mm. This is not just a risk mitigation tool and it's not just an insurance product. It's, it's both of those things combined. So it's kind of like telematics. Uh, but pay-as-you-go telematics insurance for drones. That's that's a nice way of phrasing it, yes. <laughs> if, if that telematics insurance was actually intrinsically linked to the price that was paid for yeah. every single operation that was undertaken, and if that telematics insurance also offered a degree of understanding and intelligence relating to the risks that that customer undertook. Okay. All right, great. So that's, that'll be your presentation. Um, Correct. How important are these sorts of events, you know, putting Intratech in, in front of uh, insurers and service providers? Um, how important are events such as Insurance 2025 to kind of getting the message out there? I mean, like you said, you're going to be talking about new products. So how important are these types of events for the industry? Um, I can speak on behalf of us as a company. Mm-hmm. We've actually found these events really, really useful. Um, and, and we were... We're a startup, so we're always sceptical of such things, and mm-hmm. we're, we're hyper-conscious of how we spend our money and how we spend our time. We've, we've looked back and we've actually realised that some of the most important connections that we've made, um, and some of the largest customers that we've landed, um, and some of the most insightful learnings that we've extracted have come from events like this one. Um, why is that? It's probably because you're putting a vast variety of different stakeholders in one room Mm -hmm. where there's a shared objective which is to genuinely learn and share insights with each other and we get those different perspectives all uh, meshing together in one place at one time so on the whole we've seen that these events have been really powerful for us and and like I said we've learned an enormous amount from these events and we've we hope that we've actually contributed an enormous amount to these events as well okay great um, we'll catch Ed uh, speaking at Insurance 2025 on the 3rd of July at the ETC venues at St Paul's. Ed, thank you very much for joining me and uh, yeah, see you at Insurance 2025. Thanks a lot, Scott.